Welcome to the Brew Files from Experimental Brewing, our quick hit series where we focus on fundamental aspects of brewing, including styles, techniques, and recipes. More brew, more flavor, more stories, less time, less ukulele. In this episode, we look at the final of the Maltos Falcons 45th anniversary beers, Chocolate City from Eagle Rock Brewing Company. During the brew session, I talked with Lee Barkowski and Colin Davis about the history of ERB Solidarity Mild and why we, well, embiggened it and just how fast we plan to turn it around. Stay tuned for the last portion where I actually taste the beer and describe what went right and what went deliciously squirrely. But first, a message from our sponsors. Family-owned Atlantic Brew Supply is the biggest homebrew shop in the Southeast. No gimmicks, no multinational corporate overlords, and no BS. Unique ingredients from local suppliers, including malt from neighboring artisan malt house Epiphany Craft Malts and award-winning recipe kits, including the Toll, Raleigh Brewing Company's GABF-winning Imperial Oatmeal Stout, Plus, we've got pro-level equipment and the best-in-cask supply equipment from sister companies ABS Commercial and Cask Supply. Malts, extracts, and more, all available by the ounce, an on-site calculator to help you craft your best brew, same-day order processing, and guaranteed two-day shipping for East Coast customers. Get 15% off your first order when you use the coupon code BREWFILES at checkout at Atlantic Brew Supply. Getting accurate measurements of your beer is one of the keys to improving your brewing. The Pro Series Hydrometers from Brewing America will help you help your beer. These American-made NIST traceable hydrometers are accurate, easy to read, and the kits come with a cleaning brush and cloth and a borosilicate test flask that uses half the sample size of most flasks. That means less beer for testing and more beer for you. Brewing America is a small, family-owned business of husband and wife veterans, so when you buy a Brewing America hydrometer, you're not only getting a great piece of equipment, you're supporting the people who support America. Brewing America hydrometers are available on Amazon or at www.brewingamerica.com. This episode is brought to you by Brewers Publications, publisher of none other than Simple Home Brewing by two guys named Denny Kahn and Drew Beecham. Maybe, just maybe, you've heard of them. If you want to streamline your brew day, make great beer, and have a blast in the process, head over to BrewersPublications.com and buy a copy of Simple Home Brewing. talk real quick what we've got in our hands uh or actually i guess maybe i should set up set up the situation here we are here at eagle rock brewing company in lovely los angeles california and uh, uh well it's the last of the collaboration beers before the falcons 45th anniversary party hits and i'm sitting here i'm drinking a milo which is the oat pale ale and sir uh amwolf which is a german style pilsner and who are you? Uh, Lee Bukowski. I'm the head brewer here at Eagle Rock Brewery. Chief beer maker. Yes. All right. And last but not least. I am Colin Davis of the uh, Maltos Falcons. I am the current president of the club. And I have in my hand a uh, club mug, mug club member club mug of Malty AF. Delicious, totally drinkable, 
magical stuff. I was going to say, and, and unusual in this day and age of craft beer to have something that goes, I'm malt. Yeah, malty, not hoppy, but totally delicious. And there's a hell of a lot of noise. I think somebody hit a switch they weren't supposed to. <laughs> Turned on the auger. So as we were saying before, we were so really interrupted by what I can only imagine was homebrewers accidentally hitting the wrong Careful switch. Careful where you put those elbows. <laughs> so welcome to having homebrewers in your brewery. But we were saying that it's unusual to have a beer with such a, a, a malt forward focus in this day and age. Oh, no, totally. I mean, uh, just looking at what we sell the most of, it's IPA or cloudy IPA. Um, it's definitely not darker beers or more malt forward beers. Which kind of sucks because, I mean, we like them and enjoy drinking them and like to make them, but how often do we get to make them if they're going to sort of sit? Luckily, a beer like that holds up uh, compared to something more hop forward, but... Well, it, and I, I have to laugh because I remember when the brewery started, like, there was no IPA on tap. It was like... Yeah, there was a, a pale or extra pale, we called it at the time, but... So that was... A, so put the populist... Our sort of year-round IPA now was a seasonal, mm-hmm. but it really wasn't. I mean, yeah, no, it, it quickly took the whole. Yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, no, okay, no, that's in the that's in the schedule. Which to me is a small tragedy. I mean, I love hoppy uh, hoppy beers as much as anybody else, and and the IPAs out there are truly magical and insanely good nowadays. But I do really love the drinkability of a nice malty beer, and and I think that that it's a, a real tragedy that the market itself has just gone away to uh, hoppy everything all the time. And it's, it's you know, it it really misses out on a lot that's just great beer, you know? There aren't a lot of other people that feel the same way but don't know it. Like, exactly. you hear IPA, so, like, because I've seen people just walk into a place and ask for a hazy, and I'm like, what? Do you even know, like, and they don't care. They're not asking for a specific beer, so it doesn't matter to them what it is as long as it looks. So it's like, so I think maybe there's a curve where people will drink more beer and then maybe get sort of tired of things that are hot now and maybe kind of branch out a little more. I mean, that's kind of how it was years ago where you drank macro beer and then started discovering other things and kind of... Well, but again, as long as the market is there... And I mean, as long as the breweries stay in business, you know, and breweries nowadays, we're away from the, hey, I've got my four core plus uh, rotating seasonals. I mean, so breweries now have to be more nimble so we can respond to the market pressure so that, well, look, if it does start to be a thing and you guys have more cold storage now so you can hold some of these bigger beers on or some of these, some of these less slower selling beers, you can hold them in cold storage so that they can stay around. So that's always nice because the beer that we're actually brewing today is a riff on one of the initial core beers of the brewery that I think everybody in the brewing industry loves, everybody right. in the hospitality industry loves, but just doesn't sell very well. No, totally. I mean, everybody goes on about how much they love it, but the sales sort of don't reflect that. Because, um, you know, sure, it's not enough for your peers to like it. Like, everybody has to like it in order for that thing to sell. So... That uh, well, beer the in question is yeah, can we get Solidarity, some background on Solidarity? Uh, which is a black mild or dark mild uh, in style. The idea originally back when there were sort of flagship beers was uh, we wanted to have 
a malt forward beer, which was Solidarity, a hop forward beer, which was Revolution, uh, an extra pale ale, and a sort of fermentation forward beer, which was Manifesto, uh, Belgian style wit beer. Um, so yeah, Solidarity is like a 3.8%, um, pretty mellow, very dark beer, kind of almost drinks like a dry Irish stout and a Schwarz beer at the same time. Um, we used to use, I forget the yeast, uh, but it was super, it was one of the British strains. It's like one of the very dry English strains. It's super clean. And there were times where it really did sort of approach like Schwarz beer, like sort of cleanliness. Um, so yeah, we did that for a long time. That originally was, I think had like, it was a very homebrewer yep. born beer. It had 11 malts, I think, in really weird quantities too. Not like, oh, half a bag, quarter bag, even eighth of a bag. It'd be like, well, three pounds of this and two pounds of that and a few hundred pounds of this other thing. So over time, that sort of was simplified and like refined. This is why I always tell people at the homebrew level, it's like, you know, think about what you're adding because... If you're adding it in these weird scales, you'll never see that in a professional. Right, right. I mean, you really you can get away with all kinds with... of crazy stuff in yeah. the homebrew world. I would go into the homebrew shop and just grab a handful of this, handful of that, handful yeah. of this. Most irritating <laughs> habit ever was trying to brew a dark beer with this guy because he would just be like, oh, I'll take a handful of the roast coffee. I'll take a handful of the black patent. I'll take, I'm like, going, seriously, what? I, uh, <laughs> I'm like, you, I know I'm going to like it. I know, but you, but you hated the day I made you write down one of the recipes. Uh, yeah, I hardly ever write stuff down. It's true. Well, I mean, that is one of the sort of joys of homebrewing is that you can do whatever you want. And, like, that's not a consideration. Uh, cost effectiveness is not really a consideration. Um, so, yeah, it is maybe different when suddenly there's sort of, like, different constraints that are placed upon you. Um Back to Solidarity, the beer we're doing today is sort of a nod to the original version that had many, many ingredients because uh, we had like a half a bag of amber, Simpsons amber, and uh, some brown malt and some this and some that. And I don't know when we're ever going to be able to use those in the near future. So I was like, aha, they're going in here. So in other words, um, it, it's become a homebrew kitchen sink beer. So now they're in even amounts. You know, it's a half bag. There. It's a it's a quarter bag. But there's a few things in there that maybe wouldn't have been if we didn't have them hanging out. But I mean, the wort tastes really rich and nice as it is. So this is super solidarity right now, right? Right. So solidarity was three point eight. This will be in the eleven to twelve range uh, ABV, depending on um, if we normally we'll dilute at the end, uh, which. We'll sort of typically try to brew to a higher gravity, knowing that we'll dilute it at the end to sort of hit the fermenter volume we want without having it boil out of the kettle. Um, so we can compromise today and maybe hit around 11% if we want more volume, or if we want it higher ABV, less volume, then we'll not dilute, and that'll, that'll be that. But tasting the malt just out of the, uh, out of the mash tun, it had some really nice chocolatey toffee roasty coffee character was just delicious by itself and uh, i have very high expectations for this particular result yeah i think it'll be nice uh we use uh sort of as our house strain white labs 1272 which is y yeast uh 051 which is either american ale two or four depending on whose catalog yeah. you're in allegedly uh is anchor liberty 
which may or may not be true, also was recently discovered to be a lager yeast, not an ale yeast. But it's been used as an ale yeast for, I don't know, 20 generations, years. Generations. So that's, that's how it behaves. We did try fermenting a beer at 50 with it, uh, like a, a five-gallon size batch of beer. Uh, and it was nice, uh, not as clean as like the other lager strains we tend to gravitate towards, but it was it worked. Well, and now and the malt, because as Colin, you were saying that the malt had like a really nice character to it. Oh yeah, it was we're, delicious. We're using uh, Admiral. No, uh, we did just do several Admiral beers. Um, this has enough other stuff in it that I don't know if it would have made sense to use one of the Admiral base malts. It probably would have gotten lost. So it's just Rarturo and then. Mostly uh, Simpsons stuff, so the chocolate, uh, the DRC I really like a lot, the Dark Crystal. So what does the, um, the DRC give you? Because I don't think a lot of people have played with the DRC. You know, uh, it's an interesting one, and it's it's you know proprietary to Simpsons, so there's not really an equivalent. Uh, you know, whereas if it's like C40, you can just sort of get anybody's C40. Right, and, and DRC is double roasted crystal. Double roast crystal, so they've got some magical process that they do, I don't know. Um it's uh, interesting. It It's not as dark as some of the other crystals. I think it's around 115 level bond or something. Um, but it just has this like really nice toasty character along with the sort of grape nuts and like raisiny character that you would expect in a malt of that color. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a little bit hard to define, but nobody else makes anything exactly like it. It's really nice. Um, the the times I've tried it, I mean, it feels almost to me like some of the same characters that you get on a special B, but not as Maybe not as not as not, not a special B E. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, sometimes special B almost approaches like a like a like a burnt raisin. Not exactly, but yeah. Um, so it is. It's. Uh, I definitely would encourage uh, anybody that is into those sort of darker, richer beers to play around with that one. Uh, it's quite yeah, nice. I'll look for that one. So we got two row. We've got Simpsons chocolate, Simpsons double roast crystal, the Simpsons dark crystal, and then some uh, a couple of blacks. Or, or actually, it, the black was actually Simpsons, not crisp. But we had the brown was crisp. Okay, and then and and then a little bit of amber, and then we're going with flaked barley just to give it some extra body. Um, we did we do the flaked barley? We did not. Dude, you're keeping lousy brew sheets. You know what? No, I don't think... Uh, well, we had a lot of help milling in this morning, and uh, <laughs> the flake barley did not make it in there. See, I, I noticed how... The, I should go count the bags, but I'm pretty sure it never made it in there. Too many chefs, huh? Uh, we had a whole bunch of, <laughs> of chefs. That would also explain why the gravity was a little lower than I thought. <laughs> but, uh, but this was also... I mean, you guys started early today. I mean, we're recording yeah, this Yeah, we tried to get, go in sort of around 7, just so... Cause, I kind of knew this runoff was going to be very long and slow, and we didn't want to be here all day. So, uh, yeah. some uh, some of them might be. They might break your equipment, but it's sounding like, uh, yeah. Let me make a little note. Well, and then, you know, hopping wise, we're not dealing with anything sort of. No, um, solidarity was always just a single uh, Willamette edition. Uh, we didn't do that in this case because we need substantially more IBUs in a bigger beer, and I didn't want to put like 20 pounds of that. And I mean, cause then we just get such poorer yield out of the kettle. So, uh, just a little bit, like five and a half pounds of, um, Columbus, which is 17.4 or five. So, so you're still getting all your bitterness in one charge. But- yeah. We have a little bit of Willamette hanging around that we may just throw in at Whirlpool just for the sake of doing it. But, uh, it won't really make any 
radical contribution and just be sort of like an homage to the older version of the beer. Right, so what I think is interesting, today is October 12th. The Falcons anniversary party is on November 2nd. And we're going for a big beer. Yeah, that doesn't leave a whole lot of time. Um, I think we'll probably try to actually knock out and f- start fermentation a little cooler than normal uh, because I don't want this thing to just like take off. Go to Esther uh, and down. Blow itself right out of the tank. Um, so, I mean, certainly fermentation will be done in a week, probably less, but I think it's the kind of beer that then is going to want to sit and hopefully be really cold for as long as it can be. Um, so that may be a little bit of a race against the clock. We also don't have the world's best chilling capacity here. Uh, however, the vessel it's going into is sort of appropriate size, appropriately sized for that batch, and I think it should be fine. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. I just remember when all this started with about half the tanks that are in here now. Actually, I think even like a third of the tanks that are in here now. Right, well, you well, had like and two they were small. in here. They were lower and small. They were like 15 barrels, and they were, there were four of them, but they were those... Oh yeah, yeah. Two the were shorties. all stainless and two were stainless inside, white on the outside. And and to give people some sense of history, Eagle Rock was the you know sort of the first brewery since uh, Prohibition ish, roughly to to open in. I mean, there was one LA in Chatsworth. City. Yeah, yeah, there was oh, one in Chatsworth yeah, yeah. in the eighties, sort of. But they flash in the pan, kind of yeah, flash in the pan. So you guys were sort of on the vanguard of reigniting the LA beer scene, and the the brew system is still. Largely, uh, yeah, the fermenters changed, but the, like the brew house says, it, yeah, no, that's, that's where's that from? That's from uh, L Smith in San Diego. Yeah, that, uh, that's, it, that's the old school it, uh, L Smith system. I mean, they, I think they got rid of it as soon as they could, and <laughs> I'm not sure why we haven't. Okay. Still includes some of their old repurposed dairy equipment. Yeah, the kettle, cold liquor tank, and mash tun are all. Yeah, if you have never tried to mash out of a converted dairy tank, be glad. There's a bunch of guys back there yeah, doing it now. Cancel your gym membership. Getting stuff all over the place. Yeah, I told people I'd, I'd get in there and help, but I, I, I jacked up my shoulder the other day. I think there's enough uh, help, quote unquote, that... Uh, well, I think the, the only screwy part is when you actually have to climb into the national. Oh, we don't do that anymore. Uh, well, you can get out enough with the shovel and then, excuse me, rinse a little bit down the drain. Uh, you, we don't... We gave that up a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, there's always a unique situation. Shovel the grain away from It's hard to feet. get out. It, you know, you're in this... Semi-circle. Uh, it's, it's really hard. It's not so hard to get in, but it's hard to get out. <laughs> People forget. Brewing, even at the professional level, still has uh, compromises and things that you do because that's what you got. Sure. We've got plenty of those. I mean, it really is just a supersized homebrew system. Uh, I mean, I've certainly seen, and my homebrew system at home included systems with temperature control. And, you know, like, I'm not talking about the cellar, but on the, on the brew house side, uh, yeah, it's 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 easy to learn on because there's not much to it, you know. Um, but yeah, all right. So we've got the beer. It's gonna it's gonna come out. We're thinking uh, original gravity of. I know our second runnings were like twelve Plato. Uh, right? It was high. I mean, the I need to check again. I just took a quick sample. It's around twenty one, but it should have been around twenty four, which is why we may or may not dilute. Um, so we'll see. Well, we may also hit uh, sugar to- Yeah, that, I mean, that was part of the plan anyways. I was just hoping maybe we didn't need to use it all, but it's looking like we'll just get it all in there. Uh, we'll check the gravity again at the end and then figure out if we're diluting or not, and then that'll be that. So uh, it'll be 11 to 12. I mean, like 11's 
sort of big enough. Yeah, exactly. No, but it, yeah, it, maybe it, it'll be a little more. I ain't more. complaining. Yeah. Well, I, I still remember the last time that we had the collaboration brew, which was for the 40th anniversary, which was the longevity. Oh, which, right. Yeah. That um, was uh, Izzy's. Izzy's Baltic Porter. Yeah. And it was a slightly scaled down version of that. I still have one bottle sitting in my in my beer fridge. Awesome. And I I had two. Yeah. And then I decided to drink one when I had Falcons over to my house. How'd it go? It actually went really well. Even awesome. even four and a half years after that beer was brewed and put into wow. bombers, yeah. it was still holding in there. It was really oh, that's good. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. And and by the way, I just want to take a moment to pause and recognize the fact, okay, so they moved a bunch of the spent grain over here uh, near us, which may have been some of the crash boom bang sounds you guys heard earlier. Definitely. And right now, I, the thing I get off of that is I get that big roast note to me, which is funny. It's, it smells like coffee. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. It's got that sort of like semi-sweet, bittersweet, chocolate uh, kind of aroma little, to little it. A little espresso yeah. and everything else. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what we'll get in the final beer. It was sweet. I mean, obviously, it's high gravity, unfermented word, of course. And this is pre-hops. But it, aside from being sweet, it did have some really sort of rich, like, Toffee, caramelly, like uh, as long as we don't overdo it with that Columbus edition, I think it'll be quite nice. It seemed like it had a, a more assertive chocolatey notes to it than I usually get out of a dark brew. Yeah, I think, um, and there's there's no roast barley. There's uh, there was a bag of black, uh, and then there was three. There were three bags of chocolate. Um, so hopefully, it is a little more. More, more rich instead of ashy. More, yeah, and that's why I wouldn't call it an imperial stout. There's no roast barley. It won't have any of that sort of, not to make it sound negative, but that sort of acrid, like, drier, like, roasted barley. The sharp roast yeah. notes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, once again, I'm perfectly happy to, to continue to call this by the oddball moniker of imperial mild. I mean, why not? Like, who? Yeah, these days, well, I don't know. I mean, look, people forget. Mild did not always mean weak. Mild also just right. meant, meant to be drunk fresh. Right, right, right. You know? Um, so that's interesting. So we said, okay, again, like 22, 24 Play-Doh, depending upon what we get yeah. to dilution-wise or, or re-strengthening. And then uh, how many IBUs? Um, originally, I was going to go for like around 65, 70, but I backed it back down to... Probably sixty-ish, even. Um, I don't want it to be too much, but at the same time, so I don't know if, if you've ever had uh, that Malta soda. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. god! So I don't want that. <laughs> um, so yeah, really, we're just looking for like a very pleasant balance. Yeah, cool. And so I'll be really curious to see what this is going to look like. Now, let me ask you, Lee. Given that you said this is a bit of a throwback because you're using sort of the kitchen sink in this, sure. If, if you were all doing the lines this, in the fermentables section on that form, I know it's a good thing uh, I didn't throw <laughs> one single more. Uh, Your notes would have been told. Totally so if off. we were starting from from, from yeah, scratch, if, if, you're, um, if you had the same the same brief yeah. in front of you, what, what would you change there? I mean, I feel like you could probably do without the brand, the brown and the amber. Um, the black and the chocolate are, I think, pretty essential. And then it's a matter of like, well. There's the Dark Crystal and the DRC. You could probably use one or the other. I would probably use the DRC and not use the Dark Crystal. What else? Uh, other than that, I mean, there did used to be a little bit of smoked malt, um, but it was so small. I, I, I don't. 
People said they could taste it, but I kept telling people it was in there after I knew it was out, and they kept tasting it. So I don't. Well, eh. People have a hard time up against a roast malt sometimes. Those yeah, come sure, off sure. Yeah, I mean, if, have good imaginations. If too. you hadn't maybe brewed and tasted a lot of smoked beers, I could see where like anything slightly burnt tasting, like oh yeah, no, smoke. I got it. Smoke. Uh, or my barbecue grill in the backyard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> smoke. Sure. Right. So and and by the way, so folks, this beer will be on tap at the Falcons forty uh, fifth anniversary party. But if you're not a member of the Maltos Falcons, uh, well, you're not going to get it there. But you'll be able to get it here at the tap. Yeah, room. we'll have it here and over at the restaurant. So uh, we'll probably send a little bit of it out, but probably try to keep most of it here. We're going to try to get it onto theory, a tap takeover up. event. Over yeah, I mean, I think if if it goes out, maybe it's sort of like curated, like allocated things as opposed to just sending it and there's not going to be a ton of it so yeah, when it comes to that if, if you have a hard time selling it then i will pick up a keg all right so i know we we, we ended up with six collaboration beers uh, we're going to end up with all those on tap at the at the 45th along with a giant mess of homebrew even if we jammed that whole set of double hangers with people we're going to have more beer than we can handle which is a great thing to have. sound like a good, good time. position to yeah. be in i think Guys, if you're here in the LA area, if you're somewhere adjacent, or if you're just flying through, or you know somewhere maybe within about 300 miles, let yeah. us know. No, that'd be worth it. Uh, and of course, always if you come anywhere to the LA area, I will recommend that you seek out some Eagle Rock beers. You can come here to the brewery over here in Glassell Park on Roswell. Uh, just look around for the weird orange door, and that's where you can find it. And you can have uh, Lee's beers, and or if you don't want to come into Glassell Park, you can always go to the Eagle Rock Public House which is actually in Eagle Rock proper and not only have all the great beers at the brewery, but also have Jerry's fantastic food to go with it as well. So there you go, guys. If you can't get to our collaboration or you can't get to the ta- takeover or you can't get to the festival, you can always come to Eagle Rock or you can always go to the pub and you can always have those beers. You know, you guys have heard from Eagle Rock here in the past. I think this is the first time people have heard from you, Lee. So it's possible. So yeah. uh, hard to keep track after a hundred and some odd episodes. <laughs> I'm I'm really delighted with all of the uh, collaborations that the Homebrew Club has done with the uh, commercial brewers because it it really kind of celebrates the the interplay that the Homebrew Club has and the Homebrew I mean, community the, like, in general. We wouldn't has. have all these breweries if we yeah. didn't have like the Falcons, and then later, exactly. like I was in Pacific Gravity. There's a handful. I was gonna say, I mean, like you look it's great so, interchange. I mean, right now, I think the LA County Brewers Guild memberships like 93 ish. Yeah, something so, somewhere right in that area. And I guarantee you, if you look at that, 90, 85, 90 of those breweries were started by former homebrewers. Oh yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. I really wanted to celebrate that for our uh, special occasion, and I think it's it's key. It's it's really what makes the uh, the whole scene tick. A lot of fun, and that's also the reason why I like to come to places like Eagle Rock, because I know when I have my beer, it was made by a knucklehead like Lee. True story. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Right on. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Okay. Well, hey, welcome back, everybody. I hope that enjoyed this talk that we had so far now of course the beer has been brewed it's also been released slight change up in plans here the beer as released was originally supposed to be called like super solidarity right or double solidarity or you know some uh, some variation on the solidarity name but in talking with lee and the crew at eagle rock they actually changed the name and the beer was released as chocolate city now why the reason is because when they fermented the beer, the beer started at an original gravity of over 27 degrees Plato, right? So that's like uh, 111, 
uh, specific gravity. And, you know, so big beer. It started out that way. They gave it a, a lot of 1272, and they also repitched it with San Diego Super uh, from a very active fermentation that was going on. And they still couldn't get it to drop down below 10 degrees Plato, so about 1040-ish. And, you know, it still ended up being a beer that's about 11% alcohol. So it's a big, super rich beer, but it's not dry like Solidarity. So they decided not to call it a Solidarity. They're calling it Chocolate City. And I'm going to do the doobly-doo and do a tasting. Okay, so first thing to note, this is ink black. No big surprise. This is a huge uh, imperial stout, and a little bit ahead. This was in a little growler that was poured earlier today, so it's been you know sitting in my fridge since then, waiting just for this moment. And um, I figured, by the way, I'm also sitting outside on a cool Southern California evening, my little waterfall going in the background, sitting here in my backyard, and that seems like the perfect time to enjoy an imperial stout, shall we? Mm. It smells like a candy bar, like a chocolate candy bar. Um, Very specifically, you, if you remember the, what were they called? Chunkies? The the big square pieces of chocolate that had like raisins and nuts and whatnot through them. It smells like one of those, but as if though you used a better form of chocolate. So this is more dark chocolate than just that straight up milk chocolate. A little bit of hop to it, but not, not anything major. A little bit almost like a cordial cherry in the background, too. So a little bit more of that, hitting that chocolate candy note with the fruit. Wow. Okay. How to, how to start with this? This is big. There's an intense upfront milk chocolate, dark cocoa. And the thing is just basically a chocolate bar in a glass. Uh, but then you also get these whiny, alcoholic notes. And remember, this beer is not that old, right? So this is a relatively young beer, but it's got it's got that alcohol note to it, a little bit bourbon-esque kind of characters. The, the back is just very neatly cleaned out by a large bitterness and also a little bit of that roast bite. And then for a beer that ended up finishing around 1040, actually not very sweet, Right, I mean, there's there's a different different dessert like characteristic to this, but it's not. It doesn't feel super sweet on the palate. It doesn't feel like my my lips are going to stick together. I'm not getting that large sense of overwhelming residual sugar. And we've talked about this before on the podcast. This is a thing that can happen. The mega black wines that I've done, or the mega imperial stouts I've done in the past, like the black wine that I helped Johnny Lieberman do. That those started at like 11, 20, 11, 30, 11, 40, and finished a lot of times in the 1050s. Denny's Bourbon Vanilla Imperial Porter, which isn't anywhere on the same scale, still finishes up pretty high. There's something magical about dark beers, and I think it's that, that acrid character from the roast, that allows these beers to finish sweeter and not feel horribly cloying. So now, why did this end up so high? So in talking with Lee, they basically said that he believes the problem was really from not from linearly scaling up the kind of the, a lot of the, the malts in here. 
let's look at the recipe and try and figure out where this sort of high residual gravity came in. Lee was saying that he was thinking there was a lot of dextrins floating around in there. And so the recipe was 64% of two row, 13.5% of dextrose, 7.4% of Simpson's chocolate malt, nearly 5% of Simpson's double roasted crystal, and 5% of the Simpson's dark crystal malt, along with 1.2% of the brown malt from crisp in that case. 2.5% 2.5% of Simpson Black, and 1.2% of Simpson's Amber Malt, and then bittered with a bunch of Columbus for first word hopping and boiled for 60 minutes. And the guess would be, you know, a lot of those a lot of those malts that you're seeing in there until you get into the roast are very body-intensifying malts. So that double-roasted crystal from Simpson's, that's a nice dark crystal with a lot of character to it, a lot of sweetness. And then that dark crystal also will do the same thing where you're going to have a lot of sort of longer chain sugars hanging around. Um, brown malt. I'm still, I'm still apprehensive about brown malt. That's because I've had bad experiences with it in the past and I've never really played a lot with amber malt, but you know, I remember correctly, that's mostly like a, a toasty body malt. So again, you have a lot of malts in the middle of this that are, you know, straight up powerhouse bodybuilders, residual gravity, mouthfeel enhancers, and so what Lee had done with the recipe was basically just, you know, take those percentages and just go, okay, great. I'm aiming for this gravity instead of the lower gravity that solidarity would have. And what happens? And so they just did that straight. What should probably be done if you're looking to get that lower residual gravity is not scale the the crystals in exactly the same proportion, right? So just because you used 5% at your lower gravity beer, when you're building this up, don't stick to 5%, right? Cut it down a little. Uh, Maybe take it instead of having 5% of each of those crystals, make it so that you have 5% of both the crystals. You know, so two and a half of the double roasted, two and a half of the dark crystal. Or if you're me, of course, you know, my mantra is uh, cut out as much as you can. So maybe just do one of them. You know, who knows if you're if you're buying a lot in a beard this big, that's already going to have a lot of chew and a lot of mouthfeel and a lot of overwhelming oomph. So let's go back and revisit it here. Yeah, I'm still getting that chunky candy nose. You know, now, now I want to go to the grocery store and see if they actually, do they still make those? Yeah, wow. There is certainly no denying that this is an intense beer. This is a beer that has a lot of flavor going on to it. I do understand why they renamed it from Chocolate City instead of calling it Super Solidarity because it doesn't have that same classic dryness that a Solidarity would. So it kind of falls out of sort of brand spec. But still, it's a very interesting beer. I want to see how this is going to age over time. Because again, it's 11% alcohol. It's got some built-in time. Are we going to get more dryness? Are we going to get more uh, sherry notes? Are we going to get other oxidative characters that are going to come in that are going to change how the beer is perceived. There's only one way to find out. And, of course, what we're going to do is hold on to some of this and, and keep it around until, well, probably the 50th anniversary. So let's check back in in five years, shall we? Thank you, everyone, for joining us on another episode of The Brew Files. We hope that you enjoyed this exploration of bigifying a beer and what a mess you can make when you jack a recipe through the roof. Also, a lesson in just how fast you can turn around a big beer with an awful lot of character. Remember, if you have show ideas, styles, brewers, techniques, ingredients, etc., you can drop us a line at podcast at experimentalbrew.com. 
You can reach us at Denny at experimentalbrew.com or Drew at experimentalbrew.com. You can find us on Twitter at EXP Brewing, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Reddit, and just about every homebrew forum out there. And of course, you can always find us at www.experimentalbrew.com. Don't forget, you can support the podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, click the AHA, Amazon, Brewers Friends, or BYO links on the website, and by going to Patreon and pledging a buck or two or more to our charitable cause, which for this part of the year is, well, it's going to be announced next week. So be prepared. We've got a good one. Until next time, remember, the brew is out there, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Brew Files. The American Homebrewers Association, a community of more than 45,000 individuals who share a common passion, beer. Since 1978, the AHA has promoted and advanced the most delicious hobby in the world, providing brewing resources, supporting homebrewer-friendly legislation, offering exclusive member deals at breweries and homebrew shops, and hosting one-of-a-kind events like HomebrewCon and the National Homebrew Competition. Join your beer-loving peers at homebrewersassociation.org. Thank you.